Hello, I'm Jordan. You're listening to Stories from the Studio, a podcast where I chat to people about how they made it into the radio, voiceover or music industries. My first conversation is with Craig Williams, also known as Craig Law. Craig's a DJ and radio presenter. He currently hosts Gadios in the Mix Show on Saturday nights. I spoke to him about setting up a local radio station at the age of 20, how he found freelancing during the COVID pandemic and plenty more. I started by asking him how he made it to present the overnight show on the Wave Swansea Sound and Valleys Radio. Well, I started off in hospital radio, you know, at um, Radio Phoenix in East Talbot. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, like any radio nerd growing up, you're on your local radio station, you know, you grew up, I grew up listening to the wave. Um, and I always kind of thought I want to be one of those guys. So then one day, you know, I just kind of rang um, the program controller and I said, look, I, I want to come in and, and see how it works. And I did, and it was like, you know, it's like a kid in a candy shop. You see all of these mics and computers and just, yeah, you just, you, you, that's it. You want it. You want it so bad. Um, so it was just a case of um, convincing them that I had what it takes. So they kind of had me in a few times at the Wave. Um, they've got a little spare studio in the sheds. That's what they call the building in Gosaina. And it's, it's literally just a giant shed. It's, 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 it's. A horrible but magical building to work in um but you know and they have a little studio there you can go off and um they let you just be rubbish for a while you know they try and they try and let you know, let you get all the rubbish out of you because you whenever i have people come in to do radio for the first time they have an idea i think they should sound and i was the same i thought i have to sound like you know um alan partridge um and they kind of just beat that out of you and then one one day then it was christmas i think it was christmas eve and I get a phone call saying, do you want to do network overnights for, you know, for a Christmas Eve? No one else wanted to do it. And that's how I ended up doing, you know, um, network overnights in the wave. It just kind of snowballed from that. So did you always want to be a DJ or a radio presenter? Um, Kind of. I, I knew I wanted to do something in, you know, in entertainment. Uh, but radio has always been where I feel more comfortable. I feel like radio is more nerdy. And I know that sounds strange but i i feel like for someone who's as nerdy and and introverted as me radio is kind of nice when i'm in a when i'm in a radio studio i feel like i'm a completely different person than when i'm out and about with friends so yeah i kind of wanted to do that but obviously I, I went to uni to do law because that's what i thought i should do um and it, it transpires that this is kind of what i was you know radio and 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 music things are what i was kind of built for You've been in a, a number of different roles in the radio industry. You've been program assistant, music scheduler at Nation, your presenter at Radio Caradigion as well. You then set up a van FM in Eastport Talbot, uh, which was incredibly successful. What were some of your highlights there? I mean, Avon was was this crazy idea that started out as a kind of a joke. I kind of got bullied into, well, not bullied, but I kind of got cajoled into going on to this this TV show that was on uh, HTV Wales um, called First Past the Post. It was like X Factor to find the next political prodigy. Um, and it's exactly what it sounds like. So it was on at like 11 o'clock at night on HTV Wales. And the local council said, we need someone to go on and represent us. So I did. And after I got knocked out of the competition, I was kind of in the car feeling really dejected because at the time I didn't have a job. You know, I was going to be on the dole. Um, and this was a few months before I was going to join the wave. And um I did have a job and I just said, you know what? I just wish there was a radio station in my area. I wish there was people who sounded like me. I wish there was somewhere where a young person like me can go and 
and learn and 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 you know and it'd be fun because all the radio stations in my area at the time the wave included um they were just very skewed towards people who didn't sound like me who didn't look like me who didn't have the same interests as me um so i just kind of i kind of just said that out of the blue and then literally a week later i get a call from the council and they say we heard you have an idea for a radio station can you come and talk to us about it and whenever someone asks me about how did we get from there to winning a radio license and launching i I have no idea it's a blur it's 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 a blur you know one minute i'm in the car just kind of talking about it and the next i'm in a building site with a, a quarter of a million pounds studio complex you know it's it's it, it just happened in a blur but i think my highlights for me was always when we'd have someone come in who's never done radio before and you see the look on their face when they go into the studio and then they go on to better things and I, and that's why i set it up it was it was it was it was kind of what i wanted because i wanted a path for people like me who and i wanted them to have a place where they can come and learn have fun and we deliver a local radio service and and there's been a lot of people who've gone on to to amazing things you know in the industry and they've had their first start at at avon so i think you know in terms of highlights um i think winning the license i got a call at nine o'clock in the morning from ofcom um in 2015 i was in my pajamas you know just just out for the count and just got a call saying oh in 30 minutes we're going to release a press release that says that you're going to be the first of the UK's new community radio stations. There were, I think there were 15 before us that were in a pilot, but Avon was the first one that was of the new, the new government program. And they said, and they literally gave you 30 minutes notice and, and and you kind of just sat there kind of dumbstruck, completely dumbstruck because you're just like, wow, you know. So how old were you when that happened? Um... It was 2005. I was 20. So wow. I was tw- I was 20 years of age. I, I just turned 20. Um, and um, a year earlier, we'd gone to Ofcom to lobby for the license because we'd done trial broadcasts and we collected something stupid like 6,000 signatures from in the area to get a local radio service. I think we did five test broadcasts. You know, it was a nonstop campaign because we were arguing that Neath Patel but needed its own local radio station. This was before... You know, Swansea Bay Radio had launched. This is before Nation had launched. There was literally only the Wave, Swansea Sound, and at the time, uh, Real Radio. That was really local radio stations. There was just nothing for young people. So we were pitching a young person's radio station that was run for young people, by young people. And we ended up in getting summoned to the Ofcom headquarters in London. And I thought we were just going into some civil service building. And what actually transpired was they, they just moved into this massive, posh, glass office that's literally on the side of the Thames and we get taken into a room and you have Ofcom branded water which is you know someone like me I was only 19 I was there thinking you know they probably spent more on this water branding than I have on my entire you know um and 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 you're pitching to these two senior super super senior government officials and you're telling them you want the license and a meeting that should have been 20 minutes went on for 90 because we wouldn't let them out the room me and the team were just like no we, we, we're not letting you out of this room until we convince you that this area needs a radio station. And, you know, and at the end, they had no questions because we'd answered every single one of them. They were, they were, they were like, can't give a radio license to someone who's 19, 20 years old. And I said, well, you have to, because that's the offer that's on the table. And that's what, that's what we needed. And, you know, it wasn't long after they, they rang us and they said, yep, you convinced us. It's been released in 30 minutes. And, and after that, then it was just, woof. So what about community radio is so important, do you think? 
I think community radio is more important now than it was when it was legislated back in 2005, simply because we're seeing mass consolidation, we're seeing radio stations being eaten up. And, and, and for some people, you've got a lot of a group of people who are like, ah, local radio is dead. It's not. It's just an inevitable um, progression because technology has made it easier for these radio stations to be networked. And we forget it. commercial radio stations exist to make money. They exist to entertain and make money. And you can't bridge them for finding new ways of making more money with less people. So as sad as I am that local radio, is, as we know it, is kind of dying out, um, it, it offers an amazing opportunity for community radio stations to step up and take the void that, that's being left by these radio stations. You know, where, where I live, almost every single radio station comes from either Cardiff, Manchester or London now. You know, and except for community radio, you know, it's... Local advertisers can't afford regional radio station at budgets. They can't. So there's an opportunity for community radio to fill a super local gap in the market by informing smaller communities, the communities that, let's be fair, the likes of the big radio groups don't care about. They don't bring in the money. They don't bring in the audience. It's not, it's not on their radar. But it can be where community radio exists to super serve those communities and allow local advertisers access to advertising that they can afford. And, and that's one of the other reasons important because we were getting so many businesses who ludicrous. And I mean, like, like, like jaw dropping amounts of money to go on radio. And then we'd come along and say, 99 pound, all in. And, and that's why community radio is important right now, even more so in, in COVID. Um, it's important that community radio exists and it's an amazing opportunity. If, if, if community radio can weather the challenges that COVID presents right now, it, it presents an incredible opportunity for those who see it. You mentioned uh, COVID there. Obviously, um, people are listening to local news now more than ever, surely, to find out what's happening in their area, especially with the vaccination rollout and all of that. Um, in in hospitals as well, radio is like a... We were talking about just now the, the TV sets um, being out of action in this particular hospital, but radio is available to them either as a, a traditional linear hospital radio station or... Um, uh, like the podcasting platform type thing that we're doing with YYFM, it's it's a lifeline to people that can't access the outside world at the minute. Exactly, and I think one of the things that really um, that really impressed me about YYFM was the fact that it's taking hospital radio into the new age, the age where you tell a person if you want to consume this content at X o'clock, you have to be there. It's gone. It's gone. Broadcasters. Producers, we don't dictate when people can want to have that content. It's now, it's now up to the, the the listener, the consumer. They dictate, and if and if you don't adapt to that reality, that people want to listen to that on their own terms, on their own schedule, then you're going to die off. And I think that's one of the ways in which hospital radio can really adapt. I think hospital radio can really adapt in that, especially when I was in hospital. You know, it's I had four TV channels. I was in um, Bronglice Hospital in Aberystwyth. And I had four TV channels. There was no radio station. And I was just kind of there on my laptop. And, and you know, there was, wasn't really much to do. So I like the idea that hospital radio stations like YYFM are evolving to come up with on-demand solutions. So people, you know, who have different health needs, some of them, you know, some of them may be sleeping when certain content's on. Some of them may be just, you know, having routine, you know, what, you know what goes on in a hospital. But I think it's really, I think it is really imperative that hospital radio adapts to that reality that people in hospital aren't going to want to listen on a schedule they're going to want to listen on their own timetable and the idea that linear radio is dead is 
isn't true, but it needs to evolve to allow people to 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 pick and choose their content when they want. That's why the likes of Netflix and on-demand services are are, are the future. Yeah, with uh, with YYFM using a, a a platform like that um, and having it available all of it available whenever people want it they can either they've got tablets on the ward so they can listen through those or they can just listen on their own devices and then potentially when they leave hospital they can continue listening um and they can give feedback of what they want more of but it's super hyper local stuff that's relevant to them um let's go back to avan you left um to study your law degree you mentioned it a little while ago so your career ambitions then you, what did you want to be a lawyer or in a specific field? Um, yeah, I kind of I've always wanted to be a public sector lawyer. So I kind of always wanted to help people. The idea that I'd go on to be a barrister or work in a super corporate law firm, it never appealed to me. Not not once. You know, it's it, it, I always wanted to work in kind of like legal aid, you know, kind of be like an Aaron Brockovich type character, but, you know, not as fancy and, and awesome. But um yeah, that, that's what kind of happened to me. You know, it was always the deal that 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 when I'd set up Avon, that I would then transition it to let the community run the station because, you know, I, I would still be involved somehow, you know, either on the board. But I, I just wanted to go and get my degree. I thought it was really important for me to go to university. I'd been working on projects in some capacity since I was 16, you know, not, not any real jobs so to speak, but I'd been working as a, on a student newspaper in my school and I, I didn't really, I f- kind of felt like I missed out on a lot of the the uh, coming of age. So I wanted to go to uni, I wanted to get a degree because the radio industry even back then was very volatile. Um, so I felt I needed to get a degree as a backup. And that's when I went to Aberystwyth to, uh, to study law and I ended up doing even more radio. It just called you back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Avan, um, or Excess as it was known in its later years, ceased operating in late 2011. Uh, how, how did you feel about that? How did you find that out? Um, well, I, a year before it ceased, it kind of, um, it became quite apparent that that the station wasn't kind of living up to the, the legacy that, that me and the original founders had wanted for it. We felt that it had you know, without criticizing anyone who's running at the time, because that's not what I'm, I'm, I'm going to do. But it felt like it had lost its focus. It, it it felt kind of it was just running on on fumes. You know, it wasn't being innovative. It wasn't being, um, it was, you know, we wanted to remain a hyper local service for Neath Patol, but and especially for young people in Neath Patol. But and we felt like that goal had drifted. So I, I the board of directors kind of sounded me out about coming back to oversee uh, getting the station back on track because it was losing money then um, because the Olympics had pretty much stripped away all the public funding. You know, that, that was one of the other realities that you couldn't uh, foresee. It was that the, the Olympics got awarded to London and then all of a sudden all of this mammoth public funding that you had access to was redirected towards sports programs, Olympics programs, you know, anything to do with the Olympics, that's what public funders wanted. So it was challenging economically. And when I came back, we kind of did a bit of an outreach in the community and it just became very clear that the station just hadn't engaged with it. It had lost its luster and young people just weren't responding to it. The, the, young, the, the way young people consume media had changed, the way, the, what they wanted from a radio station had changed and Avon just didn't settle it. So we kind of sat down and we said, you know, you, you know, Avon FM will always be a, 
a part of me you know it's, it's something we you know it feels like my baby sometimes but the only way that station would have survived even another month was if we if it was to completely overhaul it from top to bottom and that's what we did you know we, we re-engaged with the community we came up with a brand that young people could respond to and still being very very welsh still very neat but all focused um so yeah we did that we turned it around we had a great launch um and it basically what sunk it in the end was a historical tax bill the station was making money but then out of nowhere it's out that the tax hadn't been paid from like two years ago and then you wake up one day and the board of directors are calling you and they said oh there's a fifteen thousand pound tax bill and then we just kind of thought there's there's no way there was no public funding the station was making money but there's no way we could meet that and with the outlook on public funding and everything the way it was we just decided it's for the best that we just you know let it let it go you know it, it served its purpose and it achieved a lot of good um and we could have soldiered on you know but it would have been a it would have been a, a futile battle so in the end we just decided to to let it go and, and hopefully another operator would come in and 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 do it but that never really transpired which was kind of sad really it's such a shame isn't it all that work um, now, now you're working for Gaydio, the world's biggest LGBTQ plus radio station. You've been doing that since 2013. You've been employed, self-employed, and freelance. So, how have you found freelancing during the COVID pandemic? Oh, it's been a nightmare. It's been an absolute nightmare. I mean, um, I never really understood what it's. You know, I've been privileged that in that whenever I freelanced, I've been blessed with a lot of work. Um, I'm not saying that I have like super money, but you know, I've never really kind of struggled. And then COVID hit and you literally saw your income drop to zero, literally zero. And, and it was difficult because, um, I'd use all my savings. My mother had passed away about four or five months before COVID. Um, and I had to take a lot of time off to, to be with my mum. you know, in, in the final few months and I'd use all my savings then. And, um, it was it was really difficult because there was no work coming in, and I just moved back to Wales to live with my dad. You know, lost his wife and I lost my mother and, and all that, and, and he is in the vulnerable group. So, in addition to not having any work, I had a duty to look after my my father as well. So it was it was very challenging, and and you know the government grants that came in helped. You know that was that was a lifeline. You know, and but you suddenly found yourselves having to make tough choices. You know, you, your lifestyle had to change. You couldn't afford to you know to do a lot of things. You couldn't even do a lot of the things that you wanted to do. Um, and, and I found myself becoming a financial manager for myself because you had to you had to pay down your debts. You had to prioritize money. I had to go on universal credit for the first time. You know, which was I feel for anyone who has to. On I'm still on it actually, but I feel for anyone who's who's on that because now I understand what they say when when they say it's a completely dehumanizing um, experience. But it, it, it's been horrific. You get, there's no work, and you know it's what is it? It's January now, and it, it looks like it's going to be like this until you know maybe even the start of summer. And it's it's horrific. I miss. I, I used to whinge all the time about all the travelling used to do. I'd spend four hours on an Arriva trains Wales train of transport for wheels as it is now and i used to always complain and i've said i would literally do i will never complain again ever about being stuck on one of the old arriva trains ever again it's it's been a challenge and one of the things that has helped a lot is that is is the fact that um through gadio i've managed to get a, a really 
really fantastic group of people who, who appreciate what we do and and they've been supporting us uh, as well so that's been invaluable i always say it i always try and thank people for the help but without that i mean it, it has been the difference between paying bills sometimes I get you. It's uh, it, there's no industry or person that hasn't affected. Well, the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, the, the nightlife industry has been sold down the river. I mean, I, I don't want to get political. I, I'm not. I'm not going to go into you know some Tory bashing thing because I'm, I'm politically neutral. You know, I, I just whatever. But the nightlife industry has been has been sold down the river. You know, there's not just me. It's not just DJs. You know, people think we 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 earn lots of money. You'd be surprised how, how much DJs make. But it's not just us. It's the bar staff. It's the floor staff. It's entertainment. It's the cleaners that would come in. You know, it's a huge knock-on effect when you shut down Canal Street in Manchester, which is one of the biggest LGBT places of interest in the world. You know, when you shut that down, you're talking thousands upon thousands of jobs all just vanishing overnight and they're not getting much support they're not getting no support there's no one you know there's no, there's no one going to the government saying look this huge industry which is the fifth biggest in the uk and it's not being represented its issues aren't being taken seriously and there's thousands of people like me who are struggling on a weekly basis until we can get the clubs open and i understand that that it's imperative. Public safety has to come first. But when there's data such as last year that suggested that the clubs were one of the smallest forms of transmission of COVID, but they were one of the first things that got shut. So, you know, there's there's discrepancies there. And I just, you know, I, I really feel for those people who haven't got the kind of support network that, that I, I'm lucky to have, um, who are struggling week by week, because it is, it's a real huge struggle. Has your dad had the vaccine yet? No, we're hoping, we're hoping, we're hoping beyond hoping he'll be within the next few weeks. So he's in the 70 plus group. Um, and I, well, I'll probably have a party when he does, because right now I'm driving him absolutely crazy. I mean, literally, every time he goes out the door, I'm throwing a mask at him. We've got this nose spray that's supposed to be COVID repellent. You know, every, he looks like, I, I honestly, if I could send him out in a hazmat suit, I would. <laughs> Right, um, I'll let you go now. But just finally, what would you say um, to anyone that's thinking about getting into the radio industry? Obviously, it's tough now with COVID, but maybe generally, I and and you know, you can do things remotely. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm speaking to you from my childhood bedroom in South Wales, which I've converted into a broadcast studio. And every Friday, I talk to 535,000 people a week from this from this place. It doesn't matter where you do it. It doesn't matter how you do it. The most important thing, if you want to get into radio, is that you do it. It's okay. You're going to suck for a while. That's that's you know that's that's one of the things I always teach people. You're going to suck for a while. But at Avon, we used to have a, a banner in the in the main atrium. They used to say, "It's only radio. Nobody dies." And that's the thing you've got to tell people. You know, you have fun. It's the most fun, amazing thing to do. You can either be stuck in an office, withering away on a nine to five, or you could do this magical, amazing thing where you get to uplift people, you get to entertain them, you get to inform them, and you get to be a part of their lives. If you're thinking of getting into radio, do it. Get to your local hospital radio, get to your local community radio, get involved. And the most, most important thing in the world, be yourself. Just completely be yourself and you'll be fine.